to begin with a verse from Proverbs. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Ever since we've been born, we've, we have been gaining some sort of knowledge from childhood. We grow in our knowledge. God has made us in his image to grow in knowledge until this very day. We come to church this morning and we're growing in understanding something. The brain has been made by our creator to seek and to learn. But it's not made so much so that we gain a whole bunch of facts and die in our knowledge. But knowledge is meant to make us wiser. But the question is that we must ask, what knowledge are we actually looking for? What makes us wise? What knowledge are we receiving? Uh, what knowledge moves us? Would you say that you are wise? And how would you define wisdom? Now, I want to quickly remind you, we are in the epistle of James this morning. I want to remind you of a few things that James has already mentioned to the church that concerns him about faith and how to prove that you are a child of God. And, and one of them was how you handle trials in your life. How do you handle trials in your life will define if you're a child of God. James spoke about temptations. When you are tempted, how you deal with the temptations in your life. We're not talking about sinless perfection here, so stay with me. But James has given us all these tests all along. Faith without works is dead, James says. The other testing is how do we handle the word of God? How do we receive the word of God? How do we deal with partiality? God is not partial. And James has pointed out already that those who show partialities do not belong to God. And faith is proved by works. And last time we spoke about the tongue. It, it, it comes from the pits of hell. Uh, and James has always this illustration. And today now James moves into wisdom. Uh, for what is wisdom? Before we start, I, I, I want to speak maybe perhaps about a couple of people that we may well know. People like, say, for instance, Steve Jobs and um, the Apple person. I know him as the Apple person, but he's considered to be, was considered to be a very knowledgeable and wise man. And in the eyes of man, he's knowledgeable and he was wise. And we can benefit from it. I, I'm sure most of us have apple phones and some disagree and i have this argument but we we can we can say that he was known and he's been uh he's left a mark here in in the world with apple phones and apple products so to the eyes of the world it was considered a, a wise man stephen hawking a physicist who could not speak yet he's he's left a mark behind in the scientific world and people like einstein and and many others, they, they were considered to be wise people. But our passage before us here in James chapter 3, so if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3. James just really lays out for us in a really easy way to understand. What is wisdom from God 
and wisdom from the world. Well, what is true wisdom? And we need to understand this in the, in the light of the scriptures. What is true wisdom and what is false wisdom? Before we read it, just let me give you the layout. Number one, we're going to look at, and I, I, I've, I've entitled this uh, Test for True Biblical Wisdom. Three things, really simple. The challenge of wisdom, the evidence of false wisdom, and the evidence of true wisdom. So let's read the passage before us, and then we can just break it down slowly. So chapter 3, from verse 13 to 18. And we read this. That's the epistle of James. Whom among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his seeds in gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Once again, James then begins, let's look at verse 13, with this question, uh, this, this probing question and challenging the readers to examine their heart motives. It says, who of you is claiming this? Now, by the way, just really quickly, James is not saying that everyone that is going to read this is unwise, but it's obviously in the congregation at that time, there were people who claiming to have wisdom. And he says, okay, which one of you is saying that you have wisdom? Uh, it could be the elect, but let me prove it. Let, me, let, let, me, let you show it to me that you are wise, and it could be the unbelievers. He's just addressing the congregation. Let's quickly understand something. In the eyes of man, we need to know what man thinks wisdom really is. Let's understand wisdom. Wisdom, basically, layman's term, it's not hard to understand. It is, basically, the practice side of knowledge. Wisdom is just knowledge lived out. Wisdom is knowledge coming to life. Uh, this is why uh, people like Einstein and, and Steve Jobs and people like that are called wise men. They had a bunch of knowledge, and we saw their knowledge becoming wise in the way they did what they did right wisdom is not just a a bunch of intellectual accumulation of knowledge that is restored into your brain uh, wisdom it is gaining that knowledge where that knowledge then is reflected externally and james is saying here in essence then if you are claiming to be wise by default you are claiming to be a christian and if you are a christian then we're going to see it right does that make sense? Let's have a look. Let, let me give a couple of really simple tests. Not, not, not hard. Imagine you go into your garage in the morning and you uh, look at your car and your car has two flat tires. Uh, knowledge will tell you uh, they are flat. 
and your knowledge will tell you you can't get into the car and drive it because you've got flat tires. But you get into the car and drive it anyway. That's not wisdom. Wisdom will be, perhaps, I'm just giving you simple terms. You know, wisdom will tell you, I don't know, pump the tires, get them fixed, get in the car and drive. Or perhaps, I don't know how many of you have done this, but I get into the car, not very wise, and I see my light on petrol flashing. And I still think I can drive 100, 100 k's or, or 200 k's. And then and I've run out of petrol before, by the way. So I don't do that. That's not actually really wise. Wisdom will tell me when the, my light is flashing, I put petrol. That will be wisdom, right? Or think of someone, perhaps, some of you who are studying at school and, and college, and you go and you study to be a doctor only so that you can drive cabs for the rest of your life. And it's okay. It's all right to drive cabs. It's not a problem. But that's, that would be unwise. So James, what is James is saying here, if you possess true biblical wisdom and the knowledge that God has given you of saving faith, it will be reflective. We will see it, whatever that knowledge is. I'm just giving you an understanding of what knowledge is. James then says, listen, if you're saying that you have wise uh, you are wise and understanding. He says, let him show it. You see that word there? Let him show it. It's an imperative. It's a command. God is saying that if you are wise, then show it. Reveal it. Uh, let's see. Put it, on the, put it on the rooftop. Let your light shine. If you are wise and understanding and you have great knowledge, let's see about this. This is a character of a believer. It is revealed externally in practical living out the knowledge of saving faith. How? By good behavior, good deeds, and good works. It is seen by people. How? How can we possibly deal with trials and temptations? And how do we receive the word of God unless we are wise? How can I deal with my tongue Unless I have wisdom. How do I deal with my wife and my children at home and my neighbors if there is no wisdom there? Who is wise? It's not the one who talks the talk. A wise person is the one who knows Christ. He loves Christ. He puts on Christ. And he lives Christ. How is it revealed? Look at it. It says, in the gentleness of wisdom. In the, verse 13, let him show it by his gentleness, by his good behaviors, in deeds, in gentleness. This is talking about a godly attitude, a humble attitude, an attitude of Jesus, would you not say? Jesus, who lowered himself, as we even heard through the song and through the reflection of communion. He became man and he washed the apostles' feet. That is gentleness. That is putting others before self. That is building up the brethren. That is loving others. This gentleness speaks about a person who sees his unworthiness before God and is, and is humbled by his own salvation. And he shows an gentleness towards others as he reflects his Lord's character. Now, when it comes to wisdom, we cannot go past people like, for instance, Solomon. 
But Solomon, one point in his life, he desired to lead the people. He was put in position to lead the people of God. And, and he prayed to Yahweh and he said, above all things, he wanted wisdom. And of course, God granted him wisdom so that he can lead his people. And I think this is one of the things that not many of us probably pray for, that God will grant us wisdom and give us wisdom to, to, so that we can deal with life problems, so that we can deal with wives and husbands and, and neighbors and mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and your friends. We need wisdom. But yet I'm amazed that God, at the same time, he used this man who wrote one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible, Solomon wrote, and he asks for wisdom, and God used him to write the book of Ecclesiastes in an unbeliever's perspective that he says the wisdom of the world is nothing but vanity. Right? Solomon, who allowed himself to be joyful in all things, he indulged in sin, he had women, he possessed wisdom apart from God, and yet he, he said everything is just a grasping for the wind. But if we, if the world, if an unbeliever will read Ecclesiastes, they will conclude that Solomon was a wise man. Do you know why? Because he lived it the way he wanted to live it. That's why people will say that Steve Job was a great man, he's wise, and he lived a life that he wanted to live. And so in a, in, in a worldly mentality, what we're saying is that wisdom is to live your dreams. To be wise is to gain a whole bunch of knowledge, maybe make lots and lots of money and be wise in your living, live it up and, and so forth. Job, if you study the book of Job, and you will know that Job uh, lost everything, his wife and cattle and and his friends uh, told him, you know, it's your fault. His wife told him to curse God and die. In the book of Job, though, we read this. This is what the book of Job tells us that, the, that, that wisdom really is. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So he's asking, do you, are you wise and understanding? Well, here's where it begins. It begins with the fear of the Lord. To understand wisdom and to know what God wants, it begins with salvation. You must be born again or else you're not wise. It begins with you understanding God and you fear Him and you come to Him and you bow down your head to Him and when He then implants in you a new heart and new desires and new passions and new affections and you become a total lunatic for Christ and you turn to Him, then you will have understanding to depart from evil. That's wisdom. Steve Jobs might have looked wise in the eyes of men and he gained recognition by knowledge and, and by making all this stuff but in the eyes of the Lord he was a fool he was like the rich man who accumulated all that stuff and he wanted to say to himself you know what so enjoy yourself today and what did Jesus say to him Jesus said to him 
you fool. Your soul is required of you. That's exactly what God did with Steve Jobs. And whose, is, whose wealth did it become? He didn't take it with him. Stephen Hawking might be remembered for an extraordinary man who left a mark here on earth. He was another statistic who went straight to hell because he was wise in his own eyes. Jeremiah 8.9 says that wise are put the, to shame. The wise are put to shame. They are dismayed and caught. Behold, this is the reason they have rejected the word of the Lord. And what kind of wisdom do they have? This is Jeremiah. That's not the wisdom of God. I want to ask you a question. What do you think in the eyes of man today? With the mentality that man has today, and they will look at the prophets who were sent by God, and they will read Isaiah. Pick me, I'll go. After God told him, no one's going to believe. And Moses goes to tell Pharaoh to let the people go after God told him, go. But I will harden his heart. He will not let my people go. Do you think that the people today will look at that and say, that is so wise. That's so wise that, that you will listen to God and go and obey God. Or do you think that they will look at the apostles where some of them, Paul, was imprisoned and stoned and left for dead? and beaten and given lashes he was hungry cold in dangers from his own people from animals he was left in a dungeon to die and i will look at paul and say what a wise man and do you think in the sinful state of man's heart they will look upon christ who was beaten to a pulp and he walked down calvary carrying his own cross and say what a wise man no, they would not. Because the scripture tells us that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God to us who are saved. And so God says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, He chose the foolish things, brethren, of the world to shame the wise. You and I are those foolish people. That God has chosen, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. People don't look at wisdom the way God says wisdom is. And this is just, just a little entree to understand how now James starts to spell out wisdom of the world and wisdom of God. And that will bring us to the next point. Let's understand that. The world will not call the prophets wise, nor the apostles, and nor Christ. And the world today will call you unwise to proclaim the gospel. Some of you have been in street ministry with us, and so-called Christians have even come up to us and said, you should not be telling people about this. I said, what should I be telling them? Well, you got to tell them that Jesus loves them. I am. 
I'm telling them that Jesus died on the cross. And if they don't believe in him, they will go to hell. That's love. That will be wisdom. But we are, listen, I want to build you up that you're going to be called unwise when you live for the gospel. All right? You're going to be called unwise. But we want to know what God says. We don't care about the world because the world is enmity with God. So that's, that's verse 3. The next point, that's point 1. The next point is the evidence of false wisdom. So read with me verse 14 to 16. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not from which it comes from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Now what we see here is three things within this passage. We're going to see the inclination of false wisdom, the origin of false wisdom, and the result. The inclination, it says, but is pointing a contrast. But a contrast in the people who are gentle, the people who are humble, and those who proclaim the gospel and those who live for Christ. And he moves to challenge about this false wisdom. And he says these two, two things are opposite. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. If you, James is saying, are claiming to be wise, if you're claiming to be a child of God, and you have bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition in your heart. James says, you are not a child of God. And you have to reconsider this. Let us be reminded that when it talks about the heart, out of the heart, we actually do all Christian things. Some of you have done the study with Sam's beautiful little image of the car. Right? If we have a new heart, it's been regenerated, it's been completely, the heart of stone has been removed, and God has given us a new heart. In our new heart, we worship, we glorify. In our heart, it is the center, our desire, our emotions, our affections, where everything comes accordingly. And if James is saying that these things are coming from a heart, then the believer's new heart will not be doing these things. It says, but you are doing these things, and you're continuing to do these things. And obviously, this heart here is not a regenerate heart. It's an unbelieving heart. It is a heart that is still need of salvation. It is, it, is, it is still not new. It is still stony. It is still hell bound. It has not been cleansed by the blood of Christ. It does not have a new spirit. It does not have the Holy Spirit. Nor does it actually have the affections for Christ. Nor desires to obey Christ. Nor does it have any humility. Instead, it has bitter jealousy. The word jealousy, by the way, is a word where we get zealous. He is so zealous in being bitter. Right? He does not have uh, people's uh, interest at heart. He does not have God on his heart. But he has selfish ambitions. Bitter jealousy. And that speaks of a person who cannot possibly be a Christian. He's not humble. Jesus at time was zealous. He wasn't bitter zealous. And if we're going to call it bitter zealous, Jesus turned the tables upside down and he says, this is my father's house. 
Jesus was zealous over the house of God. So there are times we need to be zealous. There are times we do need to be zealous for the truth of the scriptures. But that's not what's happening here. This one here is resentful. He has bitter heart. He's pointing the finger. He's desiring what he cannot have. Where in essence, he's by default against God. He's self-absorbed. He's looking at himself. And then James says, he has selfish ambitions. He has an agenda. Now, this person is so selfish that he will not stop at anything until his goal is achieved. He, he will do anything. Anyone who gets in his way, he will go for it. And James, if you, if you recall last time, we spoke about the tongue, the external manifestation of the internal problem. This is the internal problem. This is, a, this is a selfish person who internally then reflects it externally. But it's within. The problem is within. Uh, this is a person who will say, not your will, God, but mine be done. And unfortunately, this kind of view of worldly worth and selfish ambition has disguised itself as wisdom within the congregation. False wisdom. Thinking of self, motivated by self, self-driven, self-exalting, having no regards for others, no regards for God. It's scary. It's a false wisdom that is coming to the world. And then we look around us and we wonder so many people who have fallen from the faith. They didn't have the true wisdom of God. They did not begin well. They did not begin with salvation. It's kind of frightening, is it not? That you can gain so much knowledge here at Saving Grace Bible Church and still not be wise? I mean, if you've been with here enough with us, you will know that Wes and I hold this as the most precious possession to our souls. And we will say, be a Berean. Don't believe anything we say. Read the scriptures. Read the text. Read the context. And you can read it and have all this knowledge and still come short and kissing Christ on that day because you were not wise in surrendering your life to Him. Wisdom can actually cover itself in Christian, Christian talk. Right? You can become wise in dealing and talking because you want someone to know that you know something. That doesn't make you a Christian. It just makes you a knowledgeable person who knows the things of Christianity. I can study about the car and, and all the mechanics of it. I can acknowledge some stuff and how the spark plug works. By the way, if you know anything about me, I have no idea about cars much. I can drive it. But I can learn about it. It does not make me a mechanic. So I want to encourage you that these people who have a bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, I, I, I want to remind you that Jesus was selfless. And if we're meant to imitate anyone that we believe was, we become selfless. We, we're not self-driven. We're, we're humbly driven to lead people to know Christ all the more. And Jesus came. He had a zeal. He had a good zeal. You don't know what that zeal was? That he died for his bride. 
He's, he's jealous over his bride, right? That's a beautiful thing. If we're going to be zealous about anything, please, brethren, be zealous for the truth of God. Preach it to yourself. Grow in it. And beg God to give you wisdom that you can actually then live it. Then it says here, look at verse 14, please, brethren. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, stop it. <laughs> Do not be arrogant. Just cut it out. Don't be arrogant against the truth. It was the truth of Scripture that caused you to be born again. And if you're saying that you have these things, cut it out and examine yourself because it's not true. Stop lying against the truth. Don't boast in your arrogance, James is saying. This is not from God. Stop doing this. And what's the problem? The inclination of false wisdom is a heart issue. And that brings us back to the fact that you must be born again. You must beg God to save you. Please, we beg of you, when you come to Saving Grace Bible Church, our desire is that you grow in the knowledge of Christ to bring you to Christ and to live for Christ. That's wisdom. And must begin there. Or else you have no wisdom. Or else you can go home and say, I understand something else about Jesus. And I can even tell someone else about Jesus. But there is no Jesus in you. Not yet. So that brings us then the origin, if you look at verse, the origin of false wisdom. And look at this. This wisdom, this wisdom here, James leaves no error. The one I just spoke about. This wisdom is not which comes from above, but is earthly and natural and demonic. This wisdom is not from God. This Wisdom that I just explained to you, the selfish one, the bitter one, the jealous one, the arrogant one, the ambitious one, the heartless one, the self-serving one, is a phony one, and it's not from God. The Apostle Paul says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. You know, Cain thought that he was wise to come to God on his terms, and God did not accept his wisdom. Let's remember that. Satan desired to, in his own wickedness, to, to make Adam and Eve wise. And he says, do this. God does not accept that wisdom. So James says, it is earthly. It is not from God. It is just from here. It's man-created, man-centered. It doesn't come from anywhere else but you. Right? Well, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. It's scary. It's scary. Wisdom that is not from God, all right, is earthly. Just comes here. And then he says it's natural. It's natural. It's humanistic. Uh, it is from within the fallen nature. It's human reasoning. It's not spiritual. It is fleshly. It is man's wisdom 
completely apart from God. That's what James is saying here. That's why we read in 1 Corinthians, but the natural man, that's 2.14, does not accept the things of God, the, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. And then James says it is demonic. Man's wisdom that is against God, brothers and sisters, just like when we speak with our tongue, it comes from the pits of hell. Man's wisdom comes all the root, all the way back to the devil himself and the pits of hell. It's demonic. It's demonic. James is saying if you're chasing after this type of wisdom, if you're saying that you are a Christian, you must examine yourself. Because the result of that, we look at verse 16, for where there is jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. There is chaos, there, there is pain, destruction, anger, a bitter madness. There is no rest, no order and no joy. I want more, I want more, I want more and never satisfied. I think it was the, the Rockefellers who were asked, when do you stop? Uh, when does it end? How much money do you want? And one of them said, one more dollar. You know, when does it end? The foolishness and the madness of man's wisdom. Where do you want to reach? We build skyscrapers as much as the Tower of Babel to try and live a name for ourselves. That's not the wisdom of God. And then he says that this wisdom, it brings disorder in every evil thing. It's just useless for God. It's pointless. It produces nothing but wickedness. It leads to grief, to pain, to sorrow, to misery, to distress, and ultimately to everlasting rejection of Christ and the judgment of God in hell. That's, the, that's in a nutshell, really briefly, the wisdom of the world. A man looks at these men, like I mentioned before, and they say they're wise. But let's have a look now. This is where we get to the crux of it, the beauty of it, the nitty-gritty of it, where James then explains to us in a little bit more detailed what is the wisdom of God. Look at verse 17, brethren. But, once again, he begins with the contrast. Now, he's going to be the contrast between earthly wisdom demonic wisdom fleshly wisdom with gods but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable gentle reasonable full of mercy and good fruits unwavering without hypocrisy and james lays that out in a similar fashion so we will look at this we're going to look at the inclination of true wisdom the origin of true wisdom and the result right Here's the inclination. Here's a contrast. First of it, it's pure. The first thing he says, it's pure. It is sincere. It has a clean heart and pure desire and good and honest heart. Free from bitter jealousy. Free from selfish ambitions. Unstained from the world and its opinions. And it's not moved by the flesh not earthly things, not worldly things, and no demonic things. It is pure. Someone wrote that this is the hallmark of all believers. 
And as we looked at last time, James being very close to his brother and listening to his brother as he became a believer later on, he would have had Matthew 5, 8 in mind. Because Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the wisdom of God begins with purity. It begins with a pure heart. You have to have a pure heart for God. You have to be, I'll say it again, born again. You have to have a pure heart. And to have a pure heart, you cannot have an unregenerate heart. Then it says it is peaceable, right? It's peaceable. It's pure. He has peace. He's not angry, not seeking self, not selfish gain, but desiring to bring peace. Now, really quickly, just something came into mind. This kind of peace is not for the sake of peace. We don't talk. That's not, that's not the peace that it's talking about. The desire is to bring the peace that is within him. That is the gospel. When we preach the gospel, when we tell others about God, we are bringing the peace. We are revealing the peace of God. We're not talking about peace for the sake of peace. I'm not going to tell my unbelieving child who sits next to me every single day, don't tell him the gospel for the sake of peace. That's worldly and fake peace. This peace is revealed in how we speak and how we live. We're not angry when we speak the gospel. Those who get angry when they speak the gospel, they have to examine themselves. But we do it peacefully. Then it says, verse 17, Wisdom from above is first pure, it's peaceable, and it's gentle. It's gentle, right? It respects others. It loves others. It's at peace with them. It's humble. The, 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 this is wisdom. We don't have a perfect brethren, so don't freak out. But this is what we're meant to have. We're meant to grow in our gentleness. We're constantly angry like this, and there's something wrong. How is that Christ dwelling in you? It's gentle, the opposite of, of hatred. It's love. And then it says it's reasonable. And reasonable speaks about is willing to listen willing to learn willing to reason and willing to submit with a humble heart ready to obey reasonable speaks about a person who grows in his wisdom and he makes himself available and approachable that's that's the wisdom of god and then it says he's full of mercy what does that mean he is ready to forgive the unforgivable. Right? Because why? Because God forgave the unforgivable. Full of mercy. Ready to help others. Ready to serve others. Are ready to reach out to the suffering and to the loss and to, and to love. It is fully complete. Full of mercy. You don't just have a little bit of mercy. Whatever mercy you have to that fullness, you will give to others. Romans, remember, tells us, 12, 14, Bless those who persecute you and do not curse. And Jesus, in 
the Sermon on the Mount also said in chapter 5 verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And then he goes on, he says that the wisdom from above is full of mercy and good fruits. Good fruits, brethren. Salvation brings forth fruits, right? Jesus never said, by their confession, you're going to know my people. No, he says, by their fruits. And good fruits. And Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, it is he who bears much fruit. Much fruit. The fruit of righteousness. The fruit of the gospel. The fruit of salvation. The joy of the Lord. The singing, filling the gaps. Right? The fruits of the Spirit. If you want to do that on your own, read Galatians chapter 5 and you, and you see the contrast between the fruits of the Spirit and the ones of the flesh. They're the opposites. Then it says, for the sake of time, unwavering. That means he's stable. He's not moving from what he believes. He's unwavering. He stands firm. He doesn't shift. He is committed to the truth and he does not allow a, a other stuff to be actually confusing him it doesn't take pleasure in error but is unwavering and then it says he is without hypocrisy he's without hypocrisy according to james the wisdom of god reveals it in these things he is genuine without hypocrisy and he shows no partiality with others why will these things be you ask how, Ralph, will these things be? Please, brethren, look at verse 17. Here it is. But the wisdom from above. This is the origin of this wisdom. No Christian wake up one morning and says, I am a wise person. I'm so wise. I just woke up. I just don't know how to tell you. But I know something about something. I don't know how I know, I just know. No, that wisdom it originated from God above. When God, once again, He saved you. He made you wise. How? He made you see the foolishness of the cross. You became wise. It was from God. It is eternal. It is divine. It is perfect. It is holy. And God freely gives it to His children. Right? Why? 1 Corinthians says, 1.30, By His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. 1 Corinthians 1.22.25, Listen, here's wisdom. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In Christ, if you are in Christ, Christ is your Lord, your Savior, 
and you have the indwelling Spirit of God, you are a wise person. You grow in that wisdom, of course. It's been given to you to the fullest, but you must grow into it. But you must first have Christ to have this wisdom. And of course, the result of that, look at verse 18. I will read this in the King James Version so that it just makes a little bit more sense. It is a hard little hard um, passage to understand for a lot of reasons. Uh, and a lot of uh, scholars actually differ in understanding this passage. But I, I believe I believe that J uh, the King James kind of makes a little bit more sense. So I'll read in the King James verse 18 because this is the result of true wisdom. All right. It says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. There's a slight, just a way to understand that basically what James is saying here, that the righteous who are already righteous, they produce peace. And as they plant those seeds of peace, more peace comes, if that makes sense. Because peace is the key, right? So here we have the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. James began by challenging the reader with a question. He then brought forth the, the false wisdom and what it looks like and the true wisdom and now the results. And I believe that James is really straightforward with his applications. It's not hard for us to get applications out of this, to examine ourselves. One, if we're Christians, are we growing in our wisdom? And two, maybe I don't have the wisdom of God at all and I need to know, maybe I'm not saved. But let's, let's just look at a couple of things just to help us out. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The call is to everyone must fear God. You must fear the Lord. You must come to God before you can have any wisdom. If you enjoy the wisdom of the world, then join the ranks who are headed for hell on the path of destruction. We're not saying that some of those things don't benefit us. We are saying they are not worldly, they are not godly wisdom. It's not from God. Godly wisdom will lead you to Christ. Jesus said this, Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, every one of who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Wisdom becomes with salvation in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. doesn't matter how intellect you think you are. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are as Einstein was. It means nothing to God. God sees that as foolishness. Earthly, fleshly and demonic. Because none of that wisdom leads you to worship God. None of that wisdom will lead you to love God. None of that wisdom will allow you to understand God, to bow down to God, and to surrender your life to God. Only understanding, hearing the words of God will lead you to true wisdom. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eye. Man thinks he's wise in his own eye. He thinks he's smart. But a wise man is one who listens to counsel. Steve Jobs, 
who thought he was wise in his own eyes. Stephen Hawking, who rejected God publicly and proudly. You know where they are, right? They're in the pits of hell. They're under God's judgment. They'll never get out of it. It's not purgatory. It's not for a little while. They're under the wrath of God because they saw themselves as wise people. And God says, you're a fool. You want to be wise? You come to the cross. You come to Christ. But for my brethren, let me just tell you, we already spoke about this. James chapter 1 and verse 5, it says this, But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God who gives to all, all his children, generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. Why? Because James has told us that every good thing is given to us by God, every perfect gift. God will not hold back wisdom from you. He says, beg him, ask him. If you are a believer this morning, ask God. And we have all the hidden treasures of wisdom in jesus christ right so here's a little bit of a little bit of a challenge i guess are you then manifesting wisdom in your life is there wisdom in your life right how are you dealing with your trials how are you dealing with your family at home how are you dealing with your temptation when it comes to, to sin issues? How are you dealing with obedience and partiality and your tongue and good works? Is your heart then pure towards Christ? Do you desire to know Christ all the more? Are you living a peaceful life? Do people see that in your life? Our desires of peace must not be for self. It must be to elevate Christ, no matter what, 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 the, what the issue is. Are you gentle in your speech, in your home, with your friends? Are you growing that? Because if you're not, seek counsel, brethren. Ask God and he will give it to you. But don't forget, as we've been studying for a long time, the Lord God speaks through the brethren. Seek counsel that you may grow in that wisdom. Are you willing to listen? How well do you take correction? Because according to James, here it says that the man who is peaceable and gentle is also reasonable. That means he is willing to take counsel. He is willing to listen. Because he wants more knowledge of God that he can be wiser than before. Do you show mercy? If you're a person who struggles to show mercy to others as a believer, I will beg you and I, I, I plead with you. You need to spend more time at the foot of the cross. You need to spend more time on your knees and recognize how much God is merciful to you. And then you may gain more wisdom to be merciful to others.
and other fruits of Christ manifested in your life. I pray that that will bless you, that that's blessed you, to examine, to think which wisdom. Let's not fall into the world's mentality or what they think wisdom is. We have the scriptures. If I'm going to be a fool for Christ, that's the wisdom of God. I want to live for Christ. And if, if prison is it, hey, then bring it on. I don't want to, but if that's what it takes, I will. And I pray that I'll have the wisdom like the Apostle Paul. That in prison, I will preach the gospel. That's wisdom, brethren. Wisdom is not to hide behind some selfish motive, as the world says. Just look out for number one. Don't worry. Why would you preach the gospel? They hate you, man. Don't go there. They crucified Jesus. Was he not? Was he not crucified? Should I hide this beauty of the gospel and call it wisdom? No. We must proclaim this from the rooftops. Let's encourage one another. We will grow with this. As we see Australia and worldwide after this corona, things are changing. Let's face it. They are changing. If we don't encourage one another, we're going to start struggling. And we're going to say, hey, that's not bad wisdom, you know. Uh, let's maybe listen to that kind of wisdom, which is earthly. You know, mind your own business, my brethren. You know, just leave them alone. They don't want to hear it. That is not the wisdom of God. I want to be encouraging you, brethren, that we will all do this. We will all be like Isaiah and say, God, I don't care who's going to listen to you. You are worthy for me to proclaim this. That to me is wisdom. Not what the world says, but what God says. May God burn to hell everything that we own, that Christ would be magnified in us. I want to finish with Paul's prayer. A little prayer that he did with, with the Ephesians. Just, a, just, a, just one verse, actually. That may encourage us. It says that God... The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.17, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and in the knowledge of Him. All right, let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. And thank you, Father, that your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray, Father, for two things. One, oh Father God, that we will not fall by the foolishness of man who thinks he's wise and think that we are wise somehow ad adapting, oh Lord God, the, the wisdom of, of humanity and fleshly wisdom and earthly wisdom and Lord God, ultimately demonic wisdom which will lead people to the pits of hell. But as believers, Father, uh, we pray that, that you would encourage us by your Spirit to be more in prayer, more in your Word, and to plead with you to give us more wisdom that we will deal wisely, Lord God, with our family and friends, and for the Gospel's sake to be magnified in and through us, that we will bear good fruits and we will be peaceable. And Lord God, we will be without hypocrisy. Please, we beg you, God, we need you. We are weak. We can easily be at comfort in our own homes. We need you to stir up the heart of your people.
the church who you are zealous over. May you give us the same zeal. And Lord God, as Christ died for the church, we would likewise die for the brethren and die, Lord God, for the gospel's sake. For those who have not known you, those who do not have, Lord, a saving faith, knowledge of you this morning, Father, I pray that you give them absolutely no rest until they find true biblical rest in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I pray that you keep stirring their hearts, Lord God, that they may run away from this sin to Christ. This is your wisdom, Lord, not ours. Amen.